0: This episode of the Holy Backboard Podcast is sponsored by Candy Club. Candy Club delivers premium candies to your door. But well, hold on. Did you, am I
1: the only one who noticed this on one of the rounds? So, I mean, it's a skill challenge. So you got to, you know, they dribble around those those fake cone people. They pass and all that. On one of them, did he not? When you after you make the complete the pass, you go grab the ball. Did he not grab it like, a, like Adrian Peterson and tuck it underneath his shoulder and just sprint up the floor without dribbling? I felt like, I felt like he took I, like a dozen steps before he actually dribbled.
0: That is awesome, and I did not <laughs> notice that. Let's go!
2: Alright everybody, welcome to the Clyde Drexler Holy Backboard Podcast. For those of you who don't know, and shame on you for not knowing, this is the 22nd episode of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from Rip City, and I got my
0: man, Sage chilling in Southern Oregon. I want to say, rest in peace to one of my favorite rappers, Big L. He was unfortunately killed this day like 15 years ago, so rest in peace, Big L.
2: So not only are we doing this podcast for Cloud Director's number, but for Big L as well. I'm down with that. And Sage, we are joined by a guest, none other than Evan McCarthy. You might know him better on the internet as Evan MPDX. Uh Evan, you have some really dope designs on your website. Go ahead and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So first off, thanks for having me, guys. to uh, love the podcast. listen quite a bit. listen to the one... Uh, was it last week or two weeks ago with Big John, John McCrofka?
0: A podcast that sounded like we were recording in like a phone booth, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's my dude. Shout out to John. Um. Anyway, so yeah, um, my name's Ed McCarthy. I go by Evan M. Uh, so basically about five years ago, I started as a stencil spray paint artist. Um, I had a buddy that was doing some pretty cool stuff that I liked. Didn't really have a hobby at the time, so I figured I would give it a shot. A couple of years of really, really shitty paintings um, ensued, like really bad paintings. But it, enough that where I had a good enough amount of good amount of friends around me to say like, hey man, you know they're not too bad. Keep it going, keep it up. After a couple of years, I finally hit like a milestone where I made this painting of uh, Damian Lillard, and I was really proud of it, really pumped about it. So I took to Twitter and sent it to everybody, basically him, other players local media members, writers like Mike Rice, Mike Barrett, and all them. And I got some feedback from a few of them, not from Dame himself at the time. Um, and then shortly after that, Chris McGowan, the president of the Blazers, reached out to me on Twitter. And uh, he said he was a big fan of the piece and said he wanted to learn more about my art and, and kind of my process when I'm doing those paintings. So uh, he started following me on Twitter. So we were messaging back and forth a little bit. I gave my contact info. And then months went by, I didn't hear anything. and then. Finally, another member of the Blazers kind of corporate team, Chris Coy Visto, reached out to me. He asked me about the Damien painting and asked if it was for sale. At that point, I'd already sold it. And then he asked me if I would be interested in doing a painting of Damien Lillard for the corporate office. So at that point, you know, I was selling paintings a little bit here and there, but nothing to like this magnitude of like my favorite sports team of all time asked me to make art for them. I made a painting for them. It was about four feet by eight feet, just a humongous painting, the biggest painting I've ever made. And I don't know if I would ever do it again. Unless I was paid a good sum of money. So I made it for them, corporate office. I believe it's still hanging in there. Sometimes I'll see people in their office on Twitter post pictures and I'll see it in the background. Ended up doing a painting of LaMarcus Aldridge too. I don't know what they did with that. I'm assuming it is no longer corporate office. I know I wouldn't want it to be there, me being the artist. I hope they took that thing down. Um, so right around the time when I was doing these paintings, uh, someone had reached out to me and said, Hey man, I love what you're doing. I love your style, but I, you know, I, I want to support you, but I can't afford to pay four or five, $600 for a painting. I just want to let you know I support you. If there's any way I can support you, let me know. Um, so I took that at the time. I took some of the money that the Blazers gave me for the, the pieces I did for them. And I decided to design a, a Portland based t-shirt. Uh, I kind of looked at the, the marketplace or kind of what was out there in the Portland market. And I was not pleased or not happy with how basically how Portland was being represented at the time. So I des- I designed my first shirt, bought a hundred of them and said, when I make my money back, I will turn around and maybe, maybe design a second shirt. We'll see how it goes. So that's how Evan M started. Now I'm at like 14, 15 shirts, couple of hoodies, snapbacks, bandanas. So, and this is all over the span of like the last year and a half.
2: What's your favorite design that you put out so far?
1: It's tough. I have two, two designs that I love that out of all everything I've made, they've sold the least. They still have done well, but they sold the least. One was a, portland's timber shirt that says portland chainsaw massacre which plays off the texas chainsaw massacre i thought it was so brilliant and i loved it um but selling to the timbers crowd it's kind of it's kind of tough to do that they they can be kind of picky with what they buy and then i came up with one a rashid wallace based one that says liars don't ball it wasn't gonna be ball don't lie obviously his signature catchphrase but there's so much stuff out there i was like i want to make it different i want to do something kind of mix it up so i did liars don't ball and the background is like one of my original art pieces like that's what it some of my art would look like, and it's like my favorite shirt. And, um, that one definitely, I mean, you have to be a Blazer fan. It's kind of a niche shirt. You kind of have to know what you're looking at when you see it. Like you, it takes you a little bit to get it, but, um, I mean, my most popular ones, is P town is down. I just came out with a hoodie that's got this circle PDX logo on the back that people have been loving. And then more recently, um, a dame time t-shirt that I wasn't even going to make it into a t-shirt, but. I designed a sticker and Damien Lillard's street team on Instagram reposted it. And then a friend put it on Reddit and it just kind of blew up. And people are like, you need to to make a t-shirt out of this. So I made a t-shirt and I've been selling them like crazy lately.
2: Yeah, that Dame Time is a very sick t-shirt. And uh, for our listeners, keep listening. We might have a a goodie for you uh, later on down the podcast. But to be honest about the Rashid shirt, I didn't get it at first and, until I met you. I thought it was, it took me, I thought it wasn't a dig at Rashid, but I was like, are you calling him a liar? I wasn't quite sure. And uh, I hit you up over the weekend. I said, you know, they're talking about your, your site. They're giving it some props on, on Ritz City too. And while I, I don't want people to take the shirt the wrong way, I'm glad I, I wasn't alone in it. So some people had a little bit of confusion, but for everybody who has seen this shirt, it is not a knock-on Rasheed. Evan is a big Sheed fan. Well,
1: absolutely. Wow. Met, yeah, I met the man a few times. I used to, back in college, in late high school, early college, I worked at Just Sports, at a few of the Just Sports um, franchises here in Portland. It's a sporting apparel store. And I've met Rasheed a few times. He's hilarious. I love Rasheed.
2: So... Speaking of, of Sheet and the Blazers, how did you become a fan? Maybe how long have you become a fan? And what is one of your favorite memories um, as a Blazer maniac?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I was a fan since I, ever since I can remember when I was a kid. Um, I was actually just over at my parents' house uh, over the Christmas break, and we were looking at pictures of me as a kid. And, like, they're just pictures of me as a, a baby just decked out in Blazer gear. Uh, both my parents grew up – both my parents are from California, but they lived in Portland for the past 30, 35 years. Um, so I kind of just grew up a Blazer fan. Um, ironically, some of my best, my favorite Blazer or more, most memorable moments in Blazer history for me. Um, I remember I went to a game with my dad back in the 90s. Um, I, it must have been the second year Jordan had came back from retirement. Um, and the Bulls were playing the Blazers. And I remember at the end of the game, either we were tied or we were down by one. And Sabonis was about free throw line extended. Taking a shot, Jordan stripped him, went down and dunked it. So we we lost on like a game-winning dunk by Jordan. And then, um, so he, you know, obviously one of the greatest players of all time. And then I remember also, I just have these memories of some of the greatest players beating us on last-second layups. Um, like years later, I remember going to a game with the Cavs when LeBron did the same thing I of the timeout when it, with his first in with the Cavs, where they uh, basically just handed the ball and we opened up a lane for him so he could lay it up and beat us. I don't know if you guys remember that game. It was, uh, I mean, yeah, it was heartbreaking. I'd never been in so many- I've never been an arena where we were so, yeah, we were so pumped, and like in the matter, in like the snap of a finger, just the entire arena is silent, completely silent. And it's like, yeah, the best, one of the best players in the world just beat us on a last second layup. That's great. <laughs> Unbelievable.
2: Yeah, if it was an early enough game. I was probably there, and we never had any luck against LeBron when he was with the Cavs his first time. It feels like he always went off on us but times are changing and the blazers are surpassing a lot of expectations at uh, 27 and 27 at the quote unquote unofficial mark uh of the of the season i know it's past the the 41 games but most people like to say you know the all-star break is you know halfway point of the season the blazers have already surpassed vegas's projections of 26 and a half wins And they had some impressive wins. We both picked Sage. We both picked them to beat the Rockets and the Grizzlies. The first one wasn't easy, but let's talk about this Rockets game. It makes my heart so happy every time we beat that team. And to hear their comments afterwards that they're a broken team. uh, Jason Terry was quoted. uh, Somebody outside of their locker room tweeted out his comments. He said, there is no fucking chemistry. It's gone. It's amazing how a team can go from the Western Conference Finals one year to they might not even make the playoffs. I mean, Portland just destroyed them 116 to 103. And I was only able to watch live the first half of the first quarter because I had a couple of directly games, a doubleheader. So I had my wife keep me updated via text. And I'm reading her text. I'm like, sweet, we're up 15. She's like, they're turning the ball over like crazy. Why don't they give the ball to Dwight Howard? and i'm like if if olga knows that dwight howard should get the ball and jb bickerstaff doesn't there's something wrong with this picture and there's a lot of things wrong in in houston right now but you know i'll be the ones to put them in their grave we already did it to david blatt we you know splashed all over them the day after christmas that kind of got him fired might do the same thing for dwight howard that might have been his last game as a rocket but sage when you were watching that game what stood out to you mm-hmm
0: i think it was just the the lack of basketball IQ from the rockets like olga said it was they don't put the ball in positions to help their second best player succeed it's it's not intelligent basketball watching them jack up really poor trades it, it it's wonderful for them to struggle because i've always hated the rockets it's just embarrassing to watch a team that talented be that dumb
2: we say they're that talented, but are they? Outside of Howard and Harden, who are you scared of?
0: No one.
2: I mean, no. it, yeah, it seems like nobody else was scoring. It was that same way uh, when we played them the first time in this three three games in 19-day stretch. For a time, it was Howard and Harden had like 75 of their 85 points. And they're not getting any contributions out of the point guard spot, out of... The power forward. The power forward used to be, you know, they had an array of riches. They had Terrence Jones, they had Monte Eunice. they had they had Oshik. And for one reason, whether it's injuries or trades or just players not progressing the way they would like, that position is now a huge weakness for them. And you know, if you're playing the Rockets, let James Harden do whatever he wants. Just don't let the other players beat you. And uh once again, it was Pat Beverly and Damian Lillard getting into it. And I really love that rivalry. I hope Beverly doesn't take it too far. But Evan, did you notice them getting chippy, just even those two games? And do you think we'll see more of this
1: when we play them in like 10 days? Yeah, I mean, we have them coming up. I mean, I absolutely see this happening. It's And Dame is a fire, he's a competitive dude. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times you could see that Dame would maybe let some of this stuff go if it were another player. But obviously, Beverly has the history where He kind of swiped at Russell Westbrook a couple years ago um, at his knee after he called a timeout. Like, that's just how he is as a player. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it happening. I think Dame is smart enough to not not let it get the best of him. But I also think that Dame's not going to back down from him either.
2: Yeah. And you, you mentioned that Russell Westbrook, I believe that ended Russell's season and any hopes of the Thunder making a title run that year, um, after Beverly, you know, whether it was a dirty play or a questionable play, it, it ended Russell's, uh, postseason in that series when they were taking on the Rockets. But going back to Lillard, it was vintage dame, Lillard time in the fourth quarter, uh, 14 points in the fourth to go just to add on to his, his, you know, regular all star night, 31 points got to the line 11 times, handed out nine assists, uh, three steals. He was a plus 28 on the plus minus. And I thought he really, he finished the game. But what set the tone was Maurice Harkless. He was, he didn't create a lot of offense for himself. But when I went back and looked at the box score and I saw 19 points on 8 of 11 shooting and 13 boards in 28 minutes, I was like, God damn, have yourself a night, Mo. I mean, that's your third straight start just proving why he only needs more minutes and the nine-man rotation is exactly the perfect amount uh, that Terry Stotts is using. So he definitely was pulling the strings perfectly on that one. But he really got out on the break. He played great defense. He made himself available. And I think oftentimes you get players who are relegated to that 3 and D role. They'll just kind of sit in that corner. But when he saw Dame and CJ and even Al Farouk, Break down the defense. He he made himself available. He went right to the rim and got easy dunks and made Charveriza look silly on silly on defense. Uh, then you look at Ed Davis who gets thirteen boards in twenty one minutes. It was just a total team effort. You know you could go down the list of a Blazers list of stats. Whatever the major stat was, the Blazers won it and won it convincingly. I think the biggest one was turnovers: thirteen for Portland, twenty for Houston. Portland got 31 points off of those turnovers. That's not a Terry Stotts defense, but I love the way they are progressing towards that. Sage, I know you've been very critical of Stotts and his defense, but you had to like what you saw in that game.
0: Oh, without a doubt, and he's been more flexible on defense with what they're running since uh, that that game against Charlotte when they were closing out really aggressively. So the last like six games. Minus that one with uh, Toronto where Kyle Lowry just went absolutely insane. I've been really enjoying what he has been doing on the defensive end. And I I, I mean, it's baby steps. And he's definitely succeeding and doing better defensive things. It's it's crazy that Trevor Ariza has people assume that he's a great defender. But if you watched his off-ball defense, it was absolutely horrendous. He got caught looking a lot. Oh, yeah. So... On ball, he's good, but off ball, he just, I don't know if his head's in the clouds. Maybe he hates Houston, but he was not playing good off ball defense whatsoever.
2: No, not at all. And I think another reason the Blazers really blew this game open, uh, they had a 12-0 run in the second quarter to kind of push it open. They matched Houston in free throws attempts, 34 apiece. If you're the, the Rockets, you're number one or two in the league in getting free throw attempts, and that's your bread and butter. If the opposition is matching you, that's bad news. And then you want to look at Portland getting out on the break, 19 to 11. They're not a fast breaking team. So if you give Portland a team at home playing on momentum and energy and excitement and you get them those open opportunities, that's just going to lead to a snowball effect. And lastly, the one thing that really stood out to me, the Blazers attempted 89 field goals. Houston, just 77. That's the same amount of field goals Houston attempted in that game on Saturday. So you're looking at holding the Rockets, a team with James Harden and Dwight Howard to just 77 attempts that's pretty damn impressive. Evan, what What were your thoughts on that performance? What you know, We've discussed a lot of things,
1: but uh, from your point of view, what stood out to you the most during that game? Yeah, I mean, going back to how you were talking earlier about kind of what happened to the Rockets and what's going on with them. I mean, they came out on fire. Like you'd mentioned, Dwight Howard's getting the ball. Um, I think that they came out with a good game plan. I think Bickerstaff, you know, he stepped in the role after McHale got fired. And it's tough for a guy like that to try to manage these rotations. I mean, they don't have a very good bench and there were times where Dwight Howard and James Harden were on the floor at the same time. And it's kind of hard to do that. Um, so I think after their first in the first quarter where they looked really good and they're getting Dwight Howard the ball, which is I think if you're Houston, exactly what you want to do because you know, James Harden is going to get his eventually. So keep feeding Dwight Howard. But once they brought the bench in um, just the cohesion with that, ro- their rotation was terrible. And that's, the opposite of someone like Terry Stotts, who is, does a really good job on managing his rotations, about getting C.J. out uh, midway through the first quarter, so then he can come in so Damp can go out. He brings in Myers-Leonard later so that he, Leonard and C.J. have the offense with the second unit, kind of like an instant offense. And it's just the managing the rotations, I think, was the big difference between the two.
2: You know, I think you're completely correct. And if, if I remember correctly, Dwight Howard started out 8 of 8 from the field. Do you think they're just a mentally weak team that as soon as Portland punched them in the mouth, that they just backed down and just completely went away from their game plan? Because you're right. They had a great game plan. I thought this was going to be a tooth and nail, you know, finish. And when I rewatched the game, it's like they just crumble. They have no toughness at all. Did you see
1: that as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the box score quarter by quarter, they it was tied up in the first quarter. The second quarter, Houston scores 17. So they go from scoring 29 in the first to 17. Portland scores uh, 28. And then they go to halftime, so you make adjustments at halftime. You basically come out – you make slight adjustments, but you come out with the same lineup you started with, and Houston scores 35 points in the third quarter. And they look great. And then their bench comes in, and those managing those rotations, they score 22 in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean, Memphis isn't –
2: I was just going to say the Rockets, they cut that lead down to five and it was getting scary, but you know, Portland being mentally tough and looking like the playoff team out of the two, they responded with a 19 to four run to really, you know, you know, put any doubt aside. And I thought that was a huge win coming off of maybe the most impressive win of the season. They go to Memphis, tie up the season series with the Grizzlies and beat the beat Memphis Uh, 112 to 106 in overtime. This was a game I had a a business meeting that Monday. I was in Seattle for the day, so I knew I had to DVR the game. I was turning off my phone, was not going to see any updates. Olaf didn't look at the score. So as soon as I get home, you know, we watch the game. And I'm not going to lie, it was one of the most fantastic games of the season. It was just back and forth, but I wasn't sure we were going to pull it out at the end. That tip in by Henderson. Kinda, by I mean with, whoever,
1: was it, Jeff Green. It, it was Jeff Green?
2: It whatever it was. I think it was just you know sweet redemption from losing on that buzzer beater to Zach Randolph early in the season in Memphis. Oh, that that was incredible. That game. But, oh. I mean, so many times Portland would have lost that game in the past. You know, I'm not one to blame officials or be super critical of them, but I thought it was unreal officiating in in a bad way. Uh, Benny Adams was just awful. Uh, You've got Mike Conley, who was fouled shooting a three five seconds after the fact. The crowd was dictating calls all all game. Uh, There was a phantom timeout that they called late in the fourth. For Portland to find a way to do that against a team that was on fire, especially in their own gym, uh that shows a lot of heart and a lot of determination and i think they are serious about winning this year despite what some some people might say but overall if you're memphis more than this game was losing marcusol uh he was warned before that you know you probably shouldn't play this game he was listed as questionable with his foot troubles anytime a big has uh issues with their feet you need to get that taken care of asap and it came out after the game that he broke his right foot and is likely out for the season with there only being what well, 25 games left. If you're Memphis, Evan, what are you doing at the deadline? Are you looking to sell? Are you looking to just, you know, do your best, maybe add a veteran and keep that fifth seed because they still have a decent grasp on it? Or, you know, what would you do?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at like the assets that they have. I mean, is Mike Conley a free agent or is he still going to be under contract He's after a free this
0: year? Agent.
1: Unrestricted. Yes. So I mean, if you've got Gasol out, Zach Reynolds getting up there in age, you know, is he going to carry your team? Now you're going to, and I don't know who they're going to start at center, Ryan Hollins, it's in, in place of Marcus Gasol, or do you? I, I mean, I don't know what. I guess if you can get value for Mike Mike Conley, but then you got to look at teams that would want to take on Mike Conley right now that don't have a point guard that think that they need some need that point guard to get over the to get over the hump. But the problem is a lot of teams that are contenders and bridge contenders already have point guards. Um, I mean, they might be stuck. They might just need to slide in, and slide into the lottery. Maybe
0: they don't have their pick, though. It's oh, a, they don't. It, it, it's a really weird protection with Denver. I think it's five through sixteen goes to Denver.
1: Oh, so they're in a really bad spot. <laughs> they're in a really shitty spot.
0: Exactly, I, man.
1: Uh, oh man. Um, I mean, I think if you can get valuable value for Conley. The problem is, if he's going to be a free agent, the other team, if you're sitting there and you're another team that wants him, you just say, why don't I, and you have cap space, what? You just wait for free agency and say, I'm just going to, I'm not going to give anything up for him. I'm just going to sign him in free agency. Exactly. Um, so whew, they're, they're in a tough spot. They're, they're in a tough spot yeah, for I, sure. I think if you're Memphis,
2: you maybe look to try and fleece a team like Sacramento who, it's still under the impression that they're trying to add veterans and win now, which is ridiculous. But that's the reason they're the Sacramento Kings. And if you could get a piece like Willie Colley Stein, you know, just to throw that out there, you you do that. Try to get a lottery pick because we and Sage have discussed the Grizzlies pretty, pretty, pretty much a lot over the duration of this podcast this year. And we're both, you know, of the same thought that uh, it might be time to pull the plug on this Grizzlies team. Isn't that right, Sage?
0: Yeah, it, it it you you never want to root for an injury to speed along that 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 process of dismantling your team, but I think with Mark's injury, it it, it really means that the Memphis Grizzlies have to start over next year because they don't have their pick unless they get unbelievably lucky in the draft in, in the draft lottery. So Yeah, which oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And they're not gonna slide to the fifth worst team in the NBA, obviously, with only twenty whatever games left. Yeah. The, the they're team. in the fifth spot right now. And so
2: that's Memphis's Memphis' Yeah. They're they're fifth. They're thirty one and twenty two. Portland's only four and a half back. Dallas is only three back. Uh they they're likely not gonna move up, so they'll probably still make the playoffs, but I'm not too sure about the Grizzlies. You know, they have their own issues. But if you're the Trailblazers, you're eyeing that spot. That's now a spot that is up for grabs with Gasol's injury. Like Sage says, you don't want to root for injuries, but they do happen. And when they do happen, you need to take advantage. And if you're a a Portland fan, you had to love what you saw during that game. Everybody that is a developmental player or superstar played to that role uh, to a T. Lillard gets 12 first quarter points. He set the tone, finished with 33, uh, five assists, four boards, a steal on the block, really set the tone, and carried the team. He really kept us afloat. You've got C.J. McCollum, who was quiet the entire game, and then all of a sudden overtime just explodes. He had those three huge buckets, uh, finished with 21 points, six assists. And then you've got the, the bench guards, and uh Crabb continues to improve, 13 points on 75% shooting four boards, three steals in 20 minutes and then, you know, Henderson, he is making it tough to trade because w- whether it was Jeff Green or Henderson, he was there to force the tip or to force green, you know, to get the ball out of there. Thankfully for us it fell in, but you know, 16 points over 50% from the field uh in 35 minutes, he was just a beast and that trade is looking more and more fantastic as time goes by. And Sage, you know, we've both been on that tr- Trade Henderson, Buehmann, but you know, if he is still like 28 years old, and uh, if he's willing to come back as a bench player and not take up too much of the cap, you might have to look at that because our bench has been absolutely fantastic over the, this past month and a huge reason why we've been racking up the victories.
0: Exactly. Yeah, he, he's definitely he's earning a pretty penny. I it, it's going to be a very interesting offseason to see who we bring back, but. I, I don't think we can trade him for, you know, the the, the pieces that we thought we were gonna trade him because he's playing so much better. I mean it's a good spot to be in if you're Neil Olshe. Without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I, I think that it kinda threw a wrench into Olshe's plan. I think when we first traded for Gerald Henderson, I think everyone assumed that, okay, come the dead when the deadline comes around, we're gonna trade him to a team that's a fringe contender because he, he's a he's a valuable player. Like he would be really good coming off the bench for a team that's gonna make a playoff run. But now it's like, wait a minute, are we a team that's going to make a playoff run? And could he come off our bench? Like, do we want to give him up? But then it goes back to, well, if we can get something for him at the deadline, that's going to help us in the future. If we think that he's not going to resign in the offseason, because I mean, it, 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 I want to make the playoffs, but like, I don't know. I don't want to lose sight of long term goals either. You know, if we make the six, seven or eight spot, you know, great. We get to play Golden State, San Antonio, or Oklahoma City in the first round. Well, thanks for showing up like. It's going to be brutal regardless of what happens. So, yeah, I, I think the way that he's playing, I don't think that Olshe expected that. And it's kind of put him in a tough spot where it's like, do I trade him or do, do we just roll with this team? Yeah,
2: in February, he is averaging 13.8 points, uh, 53% shooting, uh, 42 from three, five rebounds, uh, doing everything we asked and then some in just 28 minutes of action. I've said it time and time again he's exactly what I envisioned us getting in Aaron Aflalo and we have to hold out now and ask for more Um, I don't think you just move him to move him at this point he is proving to be a value especially for a team that is maybe not just going to be the eighth seed. they might move up to sixth or fifth and yeah Portland would likely be a, a heavy underdog in most of those series but that's a great stepping stone into next season if you end up sixth or fifth because you've got free agency, you've got all these players who have developed, and then you've still got probably the second or third best backcourt in the NBA to go along with your foundation. So it's not like the Blazers, by missing the playoffs, are all of a sudden just going to be stuck in mediocrity for the next, you know, five to ten years, which I have seen written uh, by CBS Sports, and I think that's just a bunch of bullshit.
0: There's some people at CBS Sports might be smarter than us at when it comes to basketball. But there is no way that they are smarter than us when it comes to this team. So all that other stuff, who cares? We watch this team every day. These people have watched them two or three times, are impressed with our uh, backcourt. That's it. They don't watch it like we do. So comparing their what they said about us in the preseason and now, is just bullshit. No one... They don't watch us. They only watch Golden State and Oklahoma City and the Spurs.
1: Well, well. In speaking of preseason, I mean, Dustin, you touched on it. Vegas, who Vegas is there to make lots of money, had the Blazers at twenty-six and a half at the over/under. So, the, and those are people that do know. So we've, I mean, we have exceeded crazy expectations, which is unbelievable. Like I didn't think. I thought twenty-six and a half was really low. That was what we. They had us as the second worst team in the NBA. Uh, preseason, I think only Philadelphia had a lower over-under than us for winter, Correct. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we've shattered expectations. I mean, you know, I had higher expectations than 26.5, but not at the All-Star break. Yeah, I
2: predicted 37, and I feel like that's that's getting pretty low right now. I think we'll we'll easily surpass
0: Without that a doubt. The next. What's that, Sage? Without a doubt. I mean, yeah, yeah this team sure. is shining right now.
2: So Portland Shining they heading into the All-Star break. All-Star weekend uh came and went. Sage, what were your thoughts on the overall weekend? I'm s- certain you watched all the festivities. So
0: uh yeah, I did. Uh I I was upset with uh Anthony Davis not hustling in the uh in the skills competition. I was really ha- happy with his like points per minute in the All-Star game. That dunk contest, I thought, was fantastic. The three-point shootout was good. Like, I, I I enjoyed myself sans some family issues that were happening during it. The The event itself was, I, I enjoyed it. Maybe not the music, but I enjoyed the, the actual competitions.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed watching CJ participate in the skills challenge and the three-point competition. It was just rad to see him beat a Laker. Uh, for the first round, I didn't really think he had much of a chance against Isaiah Thomas. That dude was just super quick. And then once CJ dribbled the ball off his knee, I was like, that's not going to happen. But at least he got out of the first round for the three-point contest. I thought he did well, but those are some elite shooters. And as the announcers were saying, three-point is really not CJ's strength. He's just an all-around scorer. But it was nice that he didn't come in last either. I believe it was your boy, Chris Mithson. That, that Big
0: John curse is so for real, for real. Like, I was just thinking, oh, crap. That Big John is probably smiling to himself right now. That is my boy, and he did not do well. I was telling my and mom, like, hey, I like this guy. I wish he was a blazer in another world. Oh, crap. <laughs> and I was uh, texting Evan during the, um,
2: or he, he we were texting on Friday, and he was like, save me. I, I can't help myself from watching the Celebrity Game. Uh, I didn't get to watching <laughs> that one, but, uh. How did you
1: enjoy that celebrity game? I
0: watched half of it as well. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I don't know how
1: anyone can enjoy watching, uh, enjoy watching something that has Kevin Hart in it for that long.
0: Oh God, it was awful.
1: He's on, like, he's unbearable. Like, the, one, I, I wrote a list of like winners and losers, and one of the big winners of this weekend, Kevin Hart's agent. At one point, they'd mentioned that he was a four-time MVP. celebrity game MVP. So that means that he's been at for four years. Like, how? has like longevity wise how has he been able to do this for someone who is not very funny he is not at all it's incredible i don't i don't understand like it must be one of those things because he's like a showman where maybe if you're in the arena it's a different experience but he like on live tv in an event like that he is so annoying and so over the top it's it's unbelievable that they keep ushering him back and then and then on Saturday night, so he has they do this little uh, event between him and Draymond Green, which was obviously pre-planned because they also have a Footlocker commercial together, so you know all this stuff is cooked up for marketing purposes. And they they do this event to, and they have the the post. I don't know if you guys saw this or noticed this. They had the post celebration thing all canned and, and ready to go for Draymond oh, winning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ended up that he actually Kevin Hart tied. actually tied Draymond yeah. Green. But they still went through with this whole, like, oh, man, sorry, you lost. Look, my trophy's the same height as you. And it was really bizarre. And because of something like that, we're probably going to be stuck with Kevin Hart for four more years.
0: Without a doubt, man.
1: Oh, it was brutal.
2: He's got, like, one funny SpongeBob joke, and and that's about it for me. I'm just – I was kind of being an old man during the dunk contest because there were some really sick dunks happening. And I was telling my coworkers this uh, at lunch, and I was texting back and forth with you, Sage. It's like that dunk contest was fantastic, but I I was so turned off by the announcing, you know, NBA on or inside the NBA is an awesome show when you've got Shaq and Chuck and Ernie, those three fantastic. They added in Shaq. I don't care for him. And Mm -hmm. then you throw in like Reggie Miller and Kevin Hart and all of these big personalities. And even Kenny Smith was just being obnoxious. I could not enjoy the show because they were just, they wouldn't shut up. And, it just feels like it's one big Kevin Hart promotion. And mm-hmm. I just thought it ruined my all-star weekend a bit. Um, I know you had something to say, Sage, say. what were you going to say?
0: Did you guys watch the ch- the talent portion of the NBA? Like before the, uh, on Saturday, before the actual thing, there was a challenge thing.
1: Uh, I heard about it, but it, I missed it. So,
0: it was awful. It, it, it makes the point, ho- it drives the point home from this Jay Zone song where every rapper wants to ball every uh ball player wants to rap because that mike muscala dude was just trying to rap and
1: i heard about this i read oh, about this
0: god it was awful
1: i need to go check that out don't I adm- don't, don't, no.
0: don't 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 adm- don't so you
1: guys you guys watched the skills challenge obviously call it carl anthony Towns one yeah he's a bad boy yeah yeah it- shout
2: out to carl anthony for actually trying mm-hmm. that but was hold
1: pretty- on did you, am i the only one who noticed this on one of the rounds, so I mean it's a skill challenge. So you got to, you know, they dribble around those those fake cone people. They pass and all that. On one of them, did he not? When you after you make the complete the pass, you go grab the ball. Did he not grab it like a like Adrian Peterson and tuck it underneath his shoulder and just sprint up the floor without dribbling? I felt he, I felt like he took I, like a dozen steps before he actually dribbled.
0: That is awesome, and I did not notice that.
1: Oh, I need to. Yeah, I swear to God, like he did that, and it's like, is like the most fundamental, basic thing an NBA player has to do is dribble the basketball? And he literally looked like a running back, like breaking up the middle. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, There's very back and little mention. skill in that skills challenge. I know, and none of them dunked. I don't know if you're allowed to, but none of them, like you know, they had to do the layup, and I feel like someone missed the layup, but yeah, just dunk it and come back and. It was interesting. I, I mean, Dustin, you and I were texting. We we're like, there's no way a frontcourt player wins. There's no way. And then Carl Towns wins. So also why don't
2: they, this is kind of going back, but ditch the celebrity game. We were texting, go back to MTV rock and oh, jock. Let's oh. get some NBA players, some celebrities, some NBA legends. Get that 10 point shot that's like 30 feet up there. Uh, God, that was awesome. I love yeah, rock it, and jock as a kid they had cliff robinson was on there like gary payton uh, it was the best i would watch that game i don't know why they keep trying to throw this other crap down our throats we are giving them marketing gold right here
1: just take it and run no i agree i mean you got drake in the building like, he wouldn't play how many people would watch it if drake were playing in it in that rock and you know the the stuff that mtv used to do so many people would watch that well, I watched it, re-
0: watch it regardless, so it doesn't really matter. Are about. you young enough, or do you remember that? Uh, you know, I don't. I have no idea what the hell you guys are.
1: YouTube about. it. Oh, YouTube God it. Goddammit, Sage. Talk.
0: Sorry, I wasn't born. You were <laughs> born. Or uh, Yeah, okay, Baby Sage was going to remember anything. Well, go YouTube that
2: after the show, and you're welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did baseball ones with Ken Griffey
1: Jr. used to sit out in the... In the lawn chairs in the outfield and hang mm-hmm. out. Oh, those games are those are great.
0: Did uh mm-hmm. did Dustin give you his old man speech about the dunk contest?
1: I have not heard this.
0: Oh god. Let me hear this. He, he, Career wise, he is one of the most advanced with internet knowledge and tech technology knowledge. But when it comes to basketball, he is the old man. He, he he was complaining about the props. All like the only times I texted with him was he was complaining about the props.
2: I thought yeah. they were gimmicky dunks. Yeah, you look back in slow mo. Yeah, he's sitting in the middle of that is freakish. I do not get me wrong, but I thought Aaron Gordon's best dunk of the night was his last one where he did that double pump. That was something that Dominique Wilkins would praise and give a ten. I like those kind of dunks where you don't need a
1: prop to make me get out my seat. No, I agree. I mean, the hover, I I agree to an extent. I mean, the hoverboard one was creative, and it's tough because of timing. Mm -hmm. So I like stuff with timing uh, like that. And then the one where he jumped over the mascot, like, he could have fucked himself up. Like, if you, when you go back and watch the replay in slow-mo, if he clips the head, like, he is going to be in deep shit. Uh, Aaron Gordon. (laughs) Yeah. Or Alex. Or Alex, depends if you ask Ernie. I don't know if you guys caught that, but Ernie, he called him Alex, which... At first, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a rough night for him. And then he goes out and lays down some of the nastiest dunks I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was like, well, uh, Ernie's going to remember his name now.
0: God damn right. He's a starter. Give him his props. Did you watch the actual game? Because old man Dustin didn't.
1: I did watch the game.
0: X-Files all
2: day, every day.
1: Oh, Mm X-Files. Is Joel McHale still on the X-Files?
2: Or is he only on Uh, a few episodes? Yes. But me and my wife were starting from the beginning as well. So we were we just watched like House of Cards, X Files, I played some two K. I pretty much did everything that I wanted to do outside of watching the All Star game because you're gonna snub Dame. I'm not giving you my viewership.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Yeah, and it well, you didn't miss much except for my favorite non blazer, and I don't know how you guys feel about him, but I absolutely love Russell Westbrook and just how unapologetic he is and how nuts he is, doesn't give a shit about anything. I love love Russell Westbrook.
2: I, I still once Russell Westbrook loses that athleticism, it could be a Gerald
1: Wallace type crash and burn down to earth. No, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. I just like enjoy watching him. Just like I say, uh, I enjoy Kanye West, not because I think he's absolutely great. Just because I like watching his meltdowns on Twitter and all that. Like, I think it's hilarious. Like, I think Russell Wilson Westbrook, like, did you guys catch um, about a month ago? He did a Reddit AMA. And uh, this one kid was like, hey, man, first off, just want to let you know I'm a huge fan. I'm like one of your biggest fans. Here's my question. If you could dunk on anyone in the world, who would it be? And just a one word response, it was you. And that, <laughs> and that was it. Like, I love that he says that type of shit. I love it. And, uh, I mean, the game wasn't that, I mean, obviously, a lot of Kobe ass kissing. Um, Paul George had a nice little game, but yes, it's, he did. I mean, but to say, you know, you like all oh, the All Star game, they don't play defense. This game, they did not play defense like almost none. 200
0: points scored from the west of course they didn't
1: it was ridiculous I it loved, was
0: you know it being a pelicans fan also i actually oh. saw anthony davis be happy which i haven't seen in like a year because he was getting oops thrown by chris paul like seven of his 11 assists were from chris paul and like if you saw the photos he's actually smiling so it was more shade thrown at Norris Cole, which I absolutely loved. Um During his cha- uh, like talent portion, he said his mom wanted to be a, a a multi-dimensional person, multi-talented, and I think Norris Cole's best talent is actually playing piano because he's the worst NBA p- uh, basketball player right now.
2: <laughs> you can't hate on Ish Smith like you did and then go to Norris Cole like one of them has to be the worst. You can't flip flop Norris like Cole,
0: Norris Cole, Norris Cole.
2: I think it's your whole team outside of Anthony and Ryan that needs a lot of help. True, too. Eh,
1: some nights.
0: 20 PER, buddy. He's killing it.
1: No, but Sage, to your point about the Chris Paul and Anthony Davis, it's like NBA, take that trade back. Get, I want to see Chris Paul and Anthony Davis on the same team, or the Clippers get on the phone with New Orleans and make a trade Blake Griffin for
0: Anthony Davis. Not happening, bud. We're keeping, I know. We're keeping
1: you bro. pro. Well, I didn't know that you were a New Orleans fan, so I was uh, spent... About nine days in New Orleans last year, my sister lives down there.
0: Oh, awesome!
1: Yeah, so I uh, went down there last year and partied my ass off. For did, it, na- did
0: you go nine on days. Frenchman
1: or uh, Bourbon Street? Well, it's my—it was my second time in New Orleans, and i am not a Bourbon Street. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's disgusting. It's just a disgusting yeah, street. Yeah, it's gross. Like you have to do it the first time you go, which, like I said, this was my second time. So Frenchman, w- yeah. Yep, my, yep. Yep. My, my sister lives like a half mile yep. from Frenchman, so it's all walking distance. So oh, every yeah. night. Princeton's yeah, every night. Uh it's turning into the new Bourbon street. Yeah,
0: it is. Did you go to Bar um, my favorite restaurant there?
1: We did. That's one of my sister's favorite restaurants, yeah. 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 <laughs> took a took a swamp tour one day. Where I was so me and my buddy went down there with me so so hungover. Yep. And we went on the swamp tour and I thought an alligator you so know ripped my arm off. <laughs> Comes like right up next to the boat. Amazing, amazing time.
0: So when Dustin gets the cash, we're going to New Orleans.
1: Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Free place to stay.
0: Yeah.
2: All right. All right. Let's roll. <laughs> Say the New Orleans talk is fantastic, but you've been hounding me for the past week. Can we do a trade deadline episode? Can we do it? Can we talk trades? Well, I want to know about this rumor. Yes. Now is the time. If the Blazers make a deal, we will do an emergency holy backwards yes. cast, but you also wanted to talk about trades that could happen. Well, it's about 72 hours from the deadline. We've heard names floated around. Nothing really substantial. Absolutely nothing involving Portland, which doesn't surprise me because Neil OlShea plays everything extremely close to his chest. But of the deals you've heard or players that are supposedly available, you know, there's Tobias Harris. There's big names. Victor Oladipo, Blake Griffin, Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside. Uh, the list, Kevin Love, the, Carmel Anthony. Uh, the list goes on and on who is the player that you think is most likely to get traded and the player you would like most to see get traded?
0: Um, Of the names that
2: have been
0: Well, I think most likely is Hasan Whiteside. I don't know if you've been watching him, but he is acting out. I do not want the Blazers to trade for him anymore. He is doing so much work. What was that? I don't
2: want to sign him even he, he, anymore. Uh, the Heat are actually a better defensive team when he's off the floor. Like you said, he's been acting out. I saw him throw that elbow to uh, I think it was Boban uh, of the Spurs. He got suspended the game for that. And you're right; like they have not been uh, winning with him on the
1: floor. Yeah. The tough thing though is uh, I'm reading it right now, kind of breaking. Like, it looks like Chris Boss, Chris Boss, is dealing with another blood clot. clot Damn scare. it! Yeah. So they might not be able. To, I mean, yeah, that's scary. I, I hope he's okay. But uh,
0: yeah, they're I, I was uh, some dude talked about it, but didn't do give any context towards it. But now that I mean, it's been a few hours since those initial posts about Chris Bosh. Yeah, it's sad, it, man. It's
1: saying his season has not yet been declared over, but it is a blood clot scare.
0: God, man, yeah. you got to take care of
2: that, Chris. Like that's got to come first. That's that's what that's what got Jerome. Uh, you cannot take that lightly. I know he didn't last year, but. Do whatever you can to fix that because that's bigger than basketball right there. Oh, for sure.
0: And, I mean, he's on a max contract. He's good for life. You don't need to rush back. Yeah, health is way more important. Yeah. But yeah. that's
2: true. That throws a big wrench into the Heat's plans because D-Wade is actually playing some nice ball. They have Drogic, uh locked up for a bit. They did have Bosch. You know, you think you're getting this production out of Whiteside. If anything, I think it makes Miami even more willing to do a trade because Wade is <laughs> their franchise. They're not going to just let him rot while they go into the lottery. They've still got Justice Winslow. Uh, early on in like December, I heard somebody float a uh, Winslow for Carmelo rumor. I wouldn't do that if I'm Miami. Um, I definitely would if I was other uh, Knicks though. Um, but I think they are going to look to move Whiteside. They, for whatever reason, they don't have his bird rights. So he is just a regular unrestricted free agent. And his uh, contract you know,
0: is so small that it's good. They're going to have to give assets. To make that trade because he's getting paid five hundred thousand dollars a year.
2: I think they've got a couple of bad contracts. I think Josh McRoberts isn't the best deal, so they could they could move him. Um, I think you'll see White side get moved. I really think the Blazers broke the Rockets. I think we were the the straw that broke their back. I believe Dwight Howard will get moved.
1: Uh, I'm not sure where. I've well, heard Dw- Daryl Moore yeah. asking price is really high. And and isn't the problem he's again we kind of touched on earlier? Isn't he a free agent next year? Yep, unrestricted. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if you trade for him now, do you rent him and hope he re-signs or do you, it, it's just tough. And I don't even know who, he's getting into a different stage in his career where he is obviously not as dominant. He, the knock on him that everyone, it seems to say is that he just doesn't seem like he cares that much. Yeah. Like he enjoys everything that comes with being an NBA player and not actually playing. Um, I mean, he doesn't get along with teammates, obviously. He's bounced around the NBA. It's, it will be interesting to see where and if he ends up somewhere else. I know that there was a rumor last week was that Maury supposedly was saying that he's going to try to bring Durant to back and reunite him with Harden, start a new big three. But that's, I mean, that's a pipe dream
0: with how bad the Rockets are playing. That's, yeah.
2: Um, no, so, I'm sorry. I, I stand corrected. He's not an unrestricted free agent. Dwight Howard has an early termination option in his contract, which people are assuming he will execute so he can become an unrestricted free agent yeah
0: you were texting me about something involving Dwight Howard Dustin do you want to say it on the podcast
2: yeah right. I I had a gut feeling before today that the Blazers would end up with Dwight Howard not, not sure I would want that he does have a sketchy passed off the court um which is neither here nor there it would be if we you know eventually acquired him but I'll we'll save that for another day You know, Bill Simmons floated out something like, "Why not just trade Mason Plumlee and like Tim Frazier for Dwight? Saves Houston a ton of money. They get a good center on a very cheap deal, and they can go out and try to find that free agent. Um, their season's over. Portland might be looking for, you know, a push to the finish. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't think Olshay is going to go quietly. I think he's going to add to this team. I think Portland's going to be a buyer right now." Uh, Lillard and McCollum, they're too solid of a foundation. I think we have the second youngest team in the NBA uh, tied with either Utah or Philadelphia. So it's not like we need, yes, a lottery pick would be fantastic, but it's not like we need to add another 19-year-old to this roster. We're already extremely young and we're getting experience by the day. So I thought it kind of made a little bit of sense. If you can get a player like that for cheap, it it just screams Neil Olshay to me. It's exactly what he did when he got Chris Paul. He had assets. He pounced. Portland has some assets, but we have the cap space to absorb his contract. So I think, don't be surprised. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if Thursday comes and Portland lands, Dwight Howard, just don't be completely surprised. Um,
0: Will it be a positive podcast that we do or a negative podcast?
2: See, I, I can't, my feelings for that are just so neutral right now because I don't know if what the things he was accused of is actually there or if you know, it's fabricated or not, uh, it would greatly influence my, um, positivity or negativity on any sort of, of move. But, um, you know, I was talking to, uh, my grandpa and my mom, they all do not want to trade. They want to stand pat. I've seen a lot of fans who just want to stand pat. And I just, you know, not all trades are bad. Trades are good. Like Mm. everyone loves Henderson now, but they hated moving Batum at the time. So it, I guess you can't have it both ways. What I'm trying to say is if Portland makes a move, it's likely going to be for a player you're going to fall in love with, or it's going to benefit us in the future. I don't think Olshay has shown over his tenure in Rip City that he's going to make a a big trade.
0: I think what we're going to do is when there's a big trade that doesn't have, like, the salaries don't match well, I think Neal is going to swoop in and throw in some extra salary to make a trade work, and we get a player back. Like, let's say Atlanta and Indiana are talking trade to get Jeff Teague, and then Neil's like, all right, we'll throw in Chris Kamen for that contract to match. Just give us Solomon Hill, or something like that. That's the type of trade I think we will do.
2: Yeah, I could see us getting in there and getting I think it's more of a pick though. If we're gonna be a a contract absorber, I think we're likely to get a pick. But let me throw out a name to both of you guys that I've I've heard uh, you know, on the internet. Ben McLemore of the Sacramento yep. Kings. I mentioned earlier the Kings a veteran. They want to win now. Is it Gerald Henderson for Ben McLemore swap something either of you would pull the trigger on?
0: Uh from what I remember in the draft process, he's a really I hate to say fragile, individual, but from what I remember in the draft, he is, he has talent. I think the talent isn't the issue. I think it's the self-confidence. So I don't really want another young guy that is dependent on confidence enabled to do well. So I don't think we're, the Blazers are the type of team that would do well for Ben McLemore. But I do like his talent.
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> What I think is going to happen with the, the Shea and the Blazers at the trade deadline is I, I think Olshea made his moves in the season with not re-signing Lopez, obviously not re-signing Wesley Matthews to 15 million a year, even though he got 17.5 million a year, which is absolutely insane. Um, trading, I think you know he made the move to trade Nick Batum to bring in young talent. We traded Steve Blake in our draft pick to get Plumley, um, signed Davis, signed uh, Alfred Camino. I think that those are the moves that. That he made in the off season, and I think the goal was, and I think it still is, is to see roll out all these young guys and see who can stick. And obviously, we're playing better than we expected. I don't, I just don't see him making a move right now to try to get to a six spot and lose to OKC in the free. You know what I mean, like, what move can we make to get better this year? That we can assets that we can give up that other people want to get something back good enough to make a jump this year. I, I think that we ride this team out the way it is. And then I think at the offseason, we look at, I mean, I've heard the name Al Horford. I think one of the gaps we have on this team is a a power forward that can put his back to the basket and score. That's not his game
0: anymore. What was that? He's a a pick and pop shooter. I know what I'm saying that has the capability of doing that. Because I think that the problem that we
1: have now is, so we start Noah Vonley, and I understand why we start Vonley, because... We need Myers coming off the bench to add more offense. If you have Vonley coming off the bench with Ed Davis, it's a little bit tough for a guy that we need two people on the floor that can score. So in the second quarter, it's normally CJ and Myers. But I don't know if he wants, I don't know if he thinks that Myers is a starting power forward. It's That's going to be the interesting dynamic, this whole, by the, from now until the trade deadline, then this offseason, of when Myers-Leonard turned down that contract he offered him, and he hasn't played up to. Luckily for us, he hasn't played up to that ten million dollars a year. So when the final season comes, Myers is a restricted free agent. That's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. Um, I know that a lot of teams were high on him, but and he was hurt at the beginning of the year. But I don't. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't think he's played up to a, a substantial contract right now. I don't. Yeah. Think
2: to, so. to go back to the question, you both know for um yeah, yeah, and Gerald Henderson. Yeah. I would, and and here's why. Macklemore is under contract for this year at three point one million, next year four million, he has a qualifying offer in twenty eighteen for five point three million. While Portland will be taking a hit talent-wise right now, I think Macklemore would have be able to revitalize his career in Portland. Um Terry Stott's offense is very friendly. We have point guards who can score but also open the floor for him to get wide open looks. Uh, Sacramento is a very toxic environment. I don't think anybody will will thrive there. Is it a bit of a gamble? A little bit. If if you could, say, maybe get a first-round pick instead of Ben McLemore, maybe you do that. But McLemore also gives you insurance in case you did want to move McCollum or in case you did want to let Alan Crabb go. Let's say a team just is enamored with Alan Crabb, maxes him out. Olshay is like, you know, you're fantastic, Alan, but that's just too rich for my blood. We've got other targets we want to hit. Then you've got CJ and Ben McLemore at, at the two. So I think it does provide some nice insurance because Henderson is a little bit older and he is an unrestricted free agent. So that's the only reason I would make that move. I have a lot of belief in Ben McLemore. I just think he needs to go to the right situation exactly. and get some playing time. But I can I can see why not. Um, I think this is actually a, a perfect time to answer a fan question that we had. And it did have to do with the trade deadline. It comes from one of my uh, pals, uh, Justin Tagner. Uh, Tagner Sports Art uh, does some great blazer paintings as well. Um, he wants to know, do not trade CJ. Who do you think Portland would have to get to be worth dealing McCollum?
1: I mean, it, I don't think CJ is on the table at all. I mean, Olshay and the team, the organization, I think they're firm believers in drafting assets that they like to fit the system and developing them. And I think that CJ has done exactly what they've wanted him to do. Um, similar, and you, you brought him up. I mean, I'm huge on Alan Crabb in his development. I'm a big Alan Crabb fan. And I think that guys like Olshay, they take pride in the fact that these are my guys. I know with Crabb, we traded for him on draft night, the night that he was drafted. But we drafted McCollum. You saw Olshay, um the first free agent that was signed was Alfred Camino, signed like two minutes after the free agency period opened. And I don't think anyone was looking at Alfred Camino seriously. But that was a guy that Neil Shea had drafted when he was with the Clippers. Um, I just, I don't see Shea trading him at all. I just don't see, it. you know, if if Cleveland called and said, "Okay, hey, we'll trade you LeBron for CJ," sure. But you know, I I don't think there's any realistic trade out there that would have Shea pull the trigger on trading CJ.
2: Sage, is there anybody? What's the type of player that you would look for if you're if somebody calls from a column? Who does it have to be? Does it have to be a Paul George type Cousins? Uh, what type of player is it? I was it?
0: thinking a big that has like a PER of like 20 that does the things that this team needs, like inside score, can pass it at double teams. So maybe like if Orlando's GM was drunk and Officer Vucevic, I'd, I'd think about it. It's got to be something that knocks our socks off. I think CJ is a very hard get for other teams. So they have to really knock our socks off.
2: Yeah, Bobby Marks of The Vertical actually put out a trade guideline about the Portland Trail Blazers and said if teams come calling for Damian or CJ, the Blazers should just hang up on that call. And I am of that that same thought as well. It would be foolish to break up that backcourt. Uh, not only are they good friends, their moms are friends. They hang out off the court. It's really only their first year of playing together, so they're only going to get better with more chemistry and more time together. Just They're going to be a fantastic backcourt. With the NBA going to more of an up-tempo, guard-oriented game, you really need to be able to have players who can create their own offense and put the ball on the floor and distribute it as well. So it would have to be a player of like a Blake Griffin or a Durant type to to listen to a CJ trade. And I know that's selling extremely high, but I, I just don't think Nerlens Noel or a Willie Collie Stein, a young player like that, makes a lot of sense. For Portland, so it would definitely have to be like a perennial first-team All-NBA guy for us to to think about trading McCollum. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I
1: think- yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be different if it was a GM that came into a team that he didn't build, and he and we have all these pieces, and he's like, all right, I want to go a certain direction with a certain coach, and this guy's expendable. But I mean, Stotts and Olshay have built this the way they, you know, in the way that they have. They pick CJ because they want him to play a certain style in in their system. And he's done exactly that. Like, he's going to get most improved player. So it, he, he's their guy. Like, I don't know why people... I know people on the internet are like, oh, yeah, CJ. Again, it goes back to Sage, what you're saying. That people who just don't know, don't really know the situation in Portland, that just watch highlights every once in a while of the Blazers play. But, like, CJ, is, he's old shit, guy. Like, I just don't see any scenario where he trades him. Last
2: thing on the deadline talk for the preview. Chris Broussard, yes, I know. Get your chuckles out of the way, Ugh. listeners. Said the Clippers offered Blake Griffin and Lance Stevenson for Denver's Galinari, Farid, uh, Jokic, and Will Barton.
1: Sage, Evan. Does that, that sound like a
0: trade th- someone proposed last week that was <laughs> shot down immediately by a co-host? Well, and yeah.
1: who, who, who says no? Like in what scenario? Uh, so, the, so you're saying the Clippers, if the Clippers propose that the Denver says no or vice versa?
0: Well, I proposed that trade last week as a possibility for Blake Griffin to be moved and yeah. Dustin shot it down.
1: Uh-huh. I don't
0: think, I think the Clippers
2: are just getting beat down on that trade. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to our last podcast or not, Evan, but my papa had a fantastic saying after the Blazers traded Rashid Wallace for Theo Raleigh and Sharif team. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. don't trade two Mustangs for a Ferrari. It's no different if you get four Camrys. You don't give up that Ferrari. Blake Griffin is an elite basketball player, at times a top five in the game. They said the same thing about Charles Barkley when he was trying to get his way out of Philadelphia. I think he spit on a fan. He cursed. He was like, I'm not a role model. He was much more controversial than Blake Griffin. What does he do? He gets moved for Jeff Hornacek. He only goes on to win the MVP and takes Phoenix to their first finals. And that's the first time they've been there. Uh, since like 78 or 76, and they haven't been back since. So it was obviously worth it for the Suns. I think the Clippers would be foolish to move him for that package. Yes. Jokic is a nice prospect. Yes. Barton is a great sixth man. Sage is kind of feeling gallo. I think a 20 PR.
0: Come on, bro. Of course I am
2: on, on what a uh, 20 win team. Um, can't stay healthy. He's actually shooting poorly like 35% from the field in February, actually in 2016. And uh, and Fareed. freed is who he is now. He's not going to get any better. Once I saw Von Le lock him up multiple times a season, uh, that that dude does nothing for me.
0: But you only watch so, him if a, a small amount of times because say he's, he's not the same player. He's not the same player. But you don't watch him enough to give a, a a good response. I would do, I wouldn't do it if I was Denver because it's too much. If they threw in some of those first round picks that they have a abundance of instead of <laughs> Kick I would do it. Well, they, the interesting really, thing with the Clippers, they, but
2: they already have King Joffrey and they have um Nurkic, so they have a bundle. What's giving up one of them? Because I think Jokic the best. Three great centers who could be great.
0: I think Jokic and Blake is, the best. is
2: better than all three of them combined.
0: If I was Denver and I trust their general manager a lot, I wouldn't do it if Jokic was on the table. But it's it's something that Dustin and I have disagreed on for like two weeks straight.
1: <laughs> well, the, the interesting. The other half of that, and it, what's going on in L.A. is really inter- interesting with the Clippers. Uh, is, is Doc Rivers—I mean, the experiment of him being GM and coach, it does not seem like it's going well. Mm. He made some terrible uh, signings this last offseason. Josh Smith's already gone. They already traded him for nothing. I mean, his son is the backup point guard who—I don't know if he's yeah, on an there, NBA team. Yeah, there's a case point right there, Evan. Yeah, so what, what, what I'm wondering is, do you think that— because Doc Rivers was hired by Donald Sterling and now there's a new owner there and if you're a bomber, you're like god we have a lot of talent and we can't get out of the second maybe you know if we get western conference finals fine but if we can't get out of the second round like maybe i move on from this experiment do you so i'm wondering do you think that doc feels that he needs to do something crazy to maybe so. keep his job
0: i think so yeah I mean, that's what the i'm wondering
2: taking on on cp3 i mean how long is he going to be able to hold up and he's he's the catalyst of that team so he as CP goes, the Clippers go, and he's not got too
1: many years left. And he the Clippers really play well. Tried yeah. The Clippers have been playing well without Blake Griffin. I mean, I know it's at first it was like, yeah, they're playing bad teams, but they're like 17-4 and four or whatever with him out.
0: And aggressive and I, Chris Paul, my friend. And aggressive Chris Paul changes a lot.
1: So, I mean, that's the – I mean, you mentioned earlier, like, who's going to get traded. I think we can all agree that if someone will take him, Marquise Morris will be the guy who's going to get traded. Ooh,
0: yeah. But who would make yeah, him he, besides the troll? That's what I'm
1: saying. That's what I'm saying. So it's him. But, I mean, it would it'd be interesting to see what happens in L.A. If, if Doc thinks that his seat's getting a little warm because that experiment of him being GM and coach, I mean, the fact that his son plays on that team where he might not be on any other team in the league, it's it's unreal that their backup point guard is Austin Rivers.
2: Exactly. I don't think they will fire him, but they could do a Chip Kelly situation where they just strip him of his... GM duties and say, hey, you just strictly coach. We'll get some guys in here who actually evaluate the
1: talent. Yeah, and you know we'll, in the PR what will happen, it will be they'll spin it as Doc saying, oh, it was too much work for me. I'm just I want to focus on coaching. But really, it would be like you know, the decision would come from higher than him, obviously, because, yeah. But that'll be interesting to see.
2: All right. As of 921 on Monday, I want both of your predictions on the trade deadline for the Blazers. Will they make a trade? If yes, who do you see is leaving town? Sage? Hmm.
0: I think yes. And it's Chris Kamen for a deal like I propose where we get a piece for uh helping a trade go.
1: I I don't think they do. I mean it's just it's it's just what you can trade for what you can get back. And we have a lot of guys on these smaller deals that are going like restrictive agents or whatever next year and I think that because we're exceeding expectations, um, I think they're just going to roll with what we got just to see and then deal with stuff in the offseason.
0: What about you, Dustin?
2: I think they will. I think the player they're going to move is Gerald Henderson. Uh, One, he is an unrestricted free agent. Two, he's playing lights out, so his value is actually worth something. And three, the nine-man rotation. Henderson gets dealt, let's say, for a pick. Vomley comes back, there's a spot open, that's going to Moe Harkless. He's proven over these past four games, he just needs consistent playing and time to produce. I don't think he would produce as well as Henderson, but you would definitely see big numbers out of Harkless um, to b- bolster that Blazers bench. So I think it makes sense given the nine-man rotation and given the nature of Henderson's contract. Just because the Blazers are exceeding expectations... I'm not sure that's going to let Neil Walshay, you know, cloud his judgment. Uh, he, his goal is to get this team to the championship. Um, probably not just to the eight seed. So I think he's, he's always got one hand on the future or one eye on the future, one eye on the present. He knows the team's likely going to make the playoffs. He's constructed a very well team or a very good team and we're going to lose our pick to Denver. So he's probably going to look to acquire another pick somewhere else, whether it's a lottery protected or a top 20 protected, just so they have. Something to work with in the draft. Also, don't uh, count out the factor that Paul Allen absolutely loves the draft. So he would likely be on board with any move as well.
0: Of Candy Club, it's a service that delivers premium candies to your house. I actually purchased this for one of my best friends whose birthday it was. And then I bought it for myself because I totally deserve it. And... I love the way the candy was presented. It was like they they match the candy to the taste because you have to take a test to see what candies that you would enjoy. And we have a code for this. If you type in Mardi Gras 20 at checkout, you will have a $20 discount for your first order. And that's Mardi Gras 20. All one word for $20 off your first purchase of candy club which i really like the service and I, I have it for six months and i've been enjoying it for the last two now well, you're going. Was,
2: well thanks a lot for getting me candy club i thought you were saying i bought my you know my best friend dustin some candy but i haven't <laughs> seen anything but no i'm just playing uh moving along uh blazers are 27 and 27 heading into the all-star break their next two games you know it's going to be a long time without basketball. We have to wait until Friday when they host uh, the defending champion Golden State Warriors, and they wrap up the week on Sunday win a pivotal game uh, against the Utah Jazz. Let's break down this Warriors game uh, first and foremost. Forty-eight and four, the best record of any NBA team through fifty-two games. They've won eleven straight. Really, have only lost one time at full strength. That was at Detroit. Um, last meeting, if you recall, was in Portland. Golden State did win one twenty-eight. Uh, to 108 and it really started early on Uh, clay thompson had 19 points in the first quarter 36 total and the warriors ran off to uh, a 38 21 first quarter lead which portland just they dug themselves a deep hole and just could not get out of it you know despite lillard playing a a magnificent game 40 and 10 you just cannot start out slow against this team sage we have talked you know multiple times on this podcast. Is there any freaking way to stop this team? Do the Blazers have any hope in this game? You know, I was actually thinking that Portland would have been better off playing this game before the All-Star break because all the momentum they had, it's kind of it kind of came to a stop. You know, they were 12 and 3 after that Warriors game, then the break happens, and then you have what 10 days off. It's going to be tough to get that chemistry and that rhythm and that bounce and that fire. That, I mean, it, it, it's like a switch, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer to turn back on.
1: What really hurt us is the fact that the NBA uh, stretched out this All-Star break to a week because I honestly thought, half-jokingly, our best chance was if this game was a few days after the All-Star break, like, after the All-Star game, and our best chance would be if, like, Draymond Green threw, threw, Draymond Green threw some fucking rager with, like, Drake and Clay's there and Steph there, and they're all partying, and then they're coming off, like, a four-day just drunk binge, and that would have been our best shot at them. But the fact that they get a, they basically get a week off. Um, no, I mean they're gonna, they're gonna beat us. Like, there's, I mean, I just don't see us winning this game.
0: It, it's hard to be positive when I, I truly believe that we will not win because the, they're, they're that good. It's hard to, you know you what?
1: Know, because it's, it's one of those things where you can't be like, oh man, maybe if we get off to a start. Like none of that stuff matters to them. It does not matter. Like you could be, we could be up by 30 in the first half, and they could easily come back. It's uh, they can shoot themselves back into any game. Uh, it'll be. A t- I mean, I think, let's, let's 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 get that win Sunday against Utah. Basically, is what I'm saying. Exactly. I I don't think the Warriors
2: game is as much of a far chance for a victory as you guys have stated. I think there are keys to, to beating this team. We held Steph into somewhat check. He only had 26 points that game. It was Clay's 36. You cannot let one of the Splash Brothers just go bananas because once one of them goes off, they're not missing from outside and they're literally unguardable. So I think if you can hold them under 50 combined, it gives you a better chance. Um, you have to limit the fast break points, which means taking care of the ball. Golden State is number one in the NBA at fast break points at 20.7. Portland has to continue to win the battle of the bench. Assuming they bring the entire roster back, that means guys like Harkless and Henderson and Crabb have to score. Uh, Davis has to get those rebounds. Uh, They have to be active. Myers needs to continue to shoot the shit out of that basketball. Uh, Bring Draymond out of the key. Bring Bogut out of the key so Dame can operate. And then three-point shooting. You know, Golden State, I think they shot 18-32 of in that last game. You could be the 96 Bulls. You could have been anybody – the dream team you're not beating a team that shoots 18 of 32 from three with that much talent uh and wins golden state they're about 13 of 31 from d and losses just 8 of 24 so i think if you can keep them at just 11 made threes you're going to give yourself a good chance you're gonna put yourself in position to win that game and lastly you cannot get into a shooting match with with these warriors they they score almost 116 points a game which is just you know, unbelievable to think about. Obviously, number one in the league. I think it needs to be more of like a low hundreds game for the Blazers to have a chance because, like Evan said, they can shoot themselves back into a game. You could be up thirty, and they'll be back there in the bat of an eye. So Portland can probably. This is a game they want to play with a slower tempo, and not push the ball at every opportunity because the run and gun Warriors. That's what they like. Slow it down. Set your tempo hold them to one shot. You have to do a lot of things to beat this team, but I I don't think it's impossible. And uh, this will tell us a lot about this team. They might lose, but do they keep it close, or do they get blown out again?
0: So do you think the injury to Festus Azalei will help or hurt them uh, against us? Because who does Myers guard if you want him to be in the game?
1: I mean, they yeah. like to go small, so it's they like to go real small. I mean, it's you'd have to probably play Myers at center mm-hmm. with the second unit,
0: which was, I'm fine with them being Marquis. Space,
1: his space gets any minutes?
0: Yeah, it. I I just think it's a really bad matchup for the Blazers. Like it is a really bad matchup for every everyone. Other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for everyone. So you guys- I, it,
2: it, going
0: lost? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Unless okay. Golden State gets lost on the way to the Moda, the Rose Garden. Which I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to lose this one. I got win. I got to win, you guys. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling this team. Uh, Hand them them number five.
2: Over on the X-Factor. Sorry. I was going to say because I think the X factor is two things. One, we are going to win the hustle board, which is rebound, steals and blocks. We're going to feed off the energy. The crowd is going to be live. It's going to be a Friday night. Um, and two, I think we're gonna beat them up inside. You know, Golden State, they allow 12 offensive rebounds. That's fourth most in the league, and they allow 46 points in the paint, second most. Blazers have been doing a fantastic job lately of scoring in the paint. As great as Steph Curry is, he can't guard Dame either. Dame's gonna have a big, big night. So is CJ. I would actually put Aminu on Clay Thompson and uh move CJ onto Barnes. If they want to post up Harrison Barnes, be my guest. But we cannot let Clay Thompson go off. I think Aminu will have a a, a nice job defensively on Thompson if they go that route. I think Portland's going to take some chances. So this is a, a huge underdog opportunity for them. So look for Stotts to play the passing lanes, try to force some turnovers. Uh, it's going to be close, but I just have a feeling the Blazers are going to shock the world and uh, get that W right out of the All-Star break.
0: How much, how much of Moda Center or the Rose Garden will be of uh, Golden State Warriors fans?
2: 35-40% uh, probably a lot
0: so that 60 has to be extra super loud so let's get it Rip City
2: and I would go to that game but goddamn, probably $150 for the cheapest ticket
0: and you get yeah. to spend time with your beautiful wife and watch the game together So it's... well I would have taken her to the game oh well then that's 300 bucks so exactly. I was
1: lucky I mentioned earlier in the podcast how I'd done some paintings for the Blazers um, as part of my payment I was given a handful, 100-level tickets, any games I wanted to go to, which was amazing. I just have to email the day before the game and say, hey, leave, leave them at Will Call. And uh, I was able to get tickets to the Warriors, I think it was the year before they won the title. So two years ago. I mean, it might have been three years ago, but it was right when they started coining the Splash Brothers. And it was a game that the Blazers won in overtime against the Warriors. But like, I remember that Steph and Clay were just going out of their minds, and it was Really cool to see, especially that close. But like you're like you were saying, Dustin, like good luck getting a ticket to that game. Uh now uh, with their I historic was, team.
2: I was actually working for the Blazers at that time and I remember the game you're talking about. It was just a three point fest. It was clay. I think it was Draymond actually hit that three to force overtime. Yep, and yep. I, I remember back then I was like, Oh god damn, Steph fanboys are the new or Kobe fanboys are the new Steph fanboys. <laughs> exactly. And it only got worse. But that's what happens when a lot of people transfer up from the Bay. He's a popular player. They're a popular team. But you know what? I think Portland's going to surprise them, and they are going to go into the game against Utah with a lot on the line. Uh, the Jazz are a hot team. They've won 8 of eight of 10. But thankfully, due to the storm, they now have to play uh, two games Thursday and Friday uh, at the Warriors. So they have an extra game they have to force in there because they got canceled during that uh, massive storm in january so utah could pick up a couple of l's and uh this would be for the season series because the trailblazers are already two and one uh just a quick refresh blazers won uh 108 92 back on the 4th of november in utah damon cj combined for 62 in bat one new year's eve utah handed it back to us uh 109 to 96 that was the game that portland did not have damian Lillard's services and then just about two weeks later, on the 13th of January, the Blazers responded with a 99-85 victory in Rip City. Uh, Damian had almost a triple-double, 21-10-7, and sat the entire fourth quarter, and it was a game really won in in the middle periods. Portland outscored Utah 59-43 to in the second and third quarters, and that was even with Rudy Gobert. Uh, Derek Favors did not play in that game, um, assuming he's going to be back for this one, but uh, this is a huge, huge game, probably been bigger than the Warriors, if you're talking playoff and playoff positioning, because it would give the Blazers the tiebreaker uh, over the Jazz. What are you looking for in this game, Sage, as the Blazers and Jazz wrap up their their season series?
0: Well, they focus, use the big three, and they rely on them a lot. So if we can stop one of the big three... Who are their big three, Sage? Hayward, Favors, and uh, the tall guy... Thank you. Uh, tall guy that blocks shots. Oh, goofy guy that blocks shots. There we go. Um so if we could stop one of them and Gordon, Hay- Gordon Hayward is not having a great year, but they still rely on him for a lot of the ball movement and stuff. So if we could get into his head, I might even put Al Farouk Aminu on him. So he he has to deal with a taller defender. I think that might be the matchup for us to exploit. I think we'll win though because I, I just think that they're scrappier and hungrier than 95% of teams in the NBA right now.
2: Yeah, you know, I think my big key to this game is the Blazer backcourt. They have to shine, as they've done against the Jazz this year. I was uh, doing some research for the, for the podcast and looking at the splits of Lillard and McCollum just against the Jazz. So Dames had two games against the Jazz, put up 28 points, 54% shooting, 50 from three, you know, seven assists, six rebounds. Just dirty numbers. Then you got McCollum, who's his running mate, 25 points, 50% field goal, 48 from three, uh, six assists, four rebounds. So they are both just destroying the backcourt of, you know, Neto and uh, Rodney. Yeah. I mean, whoever Utah puts out there, it's just like open season for the Blazers. They're just feasting. They're going to town. I think if they are able to uh, push the tempo when possible get up and down the court this is a game you want to push the tempo uh Utah likes to grind it out they're a fantastic defensive team they only allow 96.4 points per game which is third best in the NBA um and they'll only allow just over 44 percent from 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 the field uh so it's going to be tough they're tough to run on they only allow 11 fast break points so Evan do you think Dame and CJ will be able to continue their their magic against Utah this season
1: um yeah i mean i i think Damon and cj will be fine it'll be interesting <clears throat> coming out of the all-star break the one thing i'm going to be looking forward to is uh our continued bench play i really want to see if it can yeah, continue to succeed um i know over the last month they've been great with gerald henderson being now fully healthy alan crab is playing with a ton of confidence um i think that this game is going to be won based on the second units um and it's a huge game for the utah i'm looking at their schedule their next eight games are tough. You know, they, they got Boston, then they play us, Houston, San Antonio. They got Boston again, Toronto, Memphis. Like, this is going to be a big stretch. I know that Portland's got, what, the third or fourth toughest remaining schedule in the league. Um, but this is a really important stretch for them. So it'd be huge if Portland can get a win over them.
2: Yeah, and I think Portland gets the win. And I think they do it with their defense. Uh, over the last nine games, the Blazers are 8-1, and one, and they've really turned up the defense. They're allowing, in that span, just 97.4 points per game. That would put them fifth in the NBA. To put that into perspective, on the season, we we allow about 102. Uh, we're holding opponents now just a 44% shooting. That's Utah Jazz range. That's seventh best right now over that nine-game span. Um, we're forcing turnovers, something Terry Stotts had not done with this defense before. But he's taking chances. He's adjusting. He's showing that he still has room to grow as a coach. And Portland's getting over 15 turnovers a game. They're forcing their opponents. On the season, we we're just 26th in the NBA, 13. So we're getting an additional two tur- two turnovers a game. And then you factor in the steals and blocks. Portland's getting over 14. That's And uh, you've got long athletic defenders like Harkless and Crabb and Aminu and Davis. And they're finally getting out and allowed to explore on defense. They're not just you know sticking straight to the man and playing conservative basketball. Uh, I love this strategy that Fox is, is imploring. And you know, I'm looking at another two in a week. I think the Blazers are going to take this one game at a time and really continue to surprise some people. Fifth might be a little tough just because of the remaining schedule. As you mentioned, Evan, it is one of the top five most difficult schedules left um, on the docket for the teams. But they're going to be a team that teams are not going to want to play come playoff time. I'll just leave that right there.
0: Is the Jazz game going to be a Myers game? Because I I see a lot of uh, players that he could be physical with. Is this going to be another Myers game with Derek Favors? Well, um, yeah, he, he's,
1: he's, he's turned into our Steven Adams. I love it. Yeah. He, he, he gives people a lot of shit and doesn't take shit from anyone. You know, you've got a, what's his face? Fake punching him. Mark, Who did that?
0: Marcus Marcus
1: Old. Yeah. He, he put his fist up to him. Uh, Boogie, he and Boogie got into it. I love it. I absolutely love it.
0: So I think this might be a positive matchup for him. So we might see an extended. PT for Myers Leonard against the Jazz. I uh, hey I got yeah. a question.
1: I got a question for you guys. What's up? If the Blazers make the playoffs, is Stotts a top three coach of the year candidate? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anybody can get it over Golden State if they win seventy three games. Uh, well, but it's, I it's it split over two coaches right That's the tough part, right? It, I mean it's, it's Luke Walton and Luke Walton and Steve Kerr. I
2: think they could have 17 coaches. You win 73 games, you're getting Coach of the Year. That's just unreal. I would have never imagined any team touching that record. However, mm-hmm. I think Stotts is the clear-cut number two, though.
0: I, what about Brad Stevens?
2: And yeah, Boston looks no, good. I still think the East is trash. I, I know the West is not. I still nobody in the East worries me outside of the Cavs. And
1: and people expected Boston to to make the playoffs because Dustin's point, the East isn't good. No one expected this at the Blazers at all.
0: I definitely I would put Brad in my top if, three.
2: I would put Wayne Casey over Brad Stevens in the top three if we're being if we're going that route. Because I think the Raptors actually could give the Cleveland Cavaliers a run for the money. The Celtics just seem like a good regular season team. They're I don't think they're going to do any damage in the playoffs.
0: But Marcus Smart and all the Boston stuff, the Boston accent I can use when we play them. It's going to be awesome.
2: But it's not going to be enough for them to get buckets in the clutch, Sage.
0: I don't know, man. I like that, I like that team. They're pretty fun.
2: Who's their who's their go-to? Isaiah Thomas cannot be your go-to. Oh, yes, I think I,
0: he is. I think he I, is. Yes, yes, he is. I, I think
1: I Jay, people. I think people feel that Jay, Jay Crowder is their best player, but I think Isaiah Thomas is their go-to guy in the clutch. Yeah, he's
2: he's a good he's a good player, but if a borderline all-star is your best player, I, I don't know if that bodes. Well. I think they do. I think their team that needs to add one of those uh, superstars that's on the block. That's why they're acquiring so many assets.
0: Well, if but they get how, it, that could be scary.
2: Yeah, maybe. Again, Eastern Conference, I'm not worried. So We've uh, disagreed a lot today. (laughs) Uh, I liked it. I like spicy, spicy sage. Um, But we've been potting for about uh, 90 minutes now, so it's about time to wrap it up. But, for those of you that made it through this episode, we have a very generous gift from our friend Evan. He is going to give away one of his awesome uh, Dame Time shirts. Here is how you can win one of his shirts. You need to subscribe to this podcast, follow Holy back quarter and Evan M on Twitter and leave us a comment on our SoundCloud episode. What did you like about this show? Did you have a question? Uh, best comment. We'll get the shirt and uh, may the best comment win. Evan, yeah, let our listeners know where they can find you. And uh, if you've got any new
1: ideas coming out. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can find me. Um, I know you mentioned Twitter. I'm Evan MPDX on Twitter. I don't use Twitter too much as far as communicating with fans or anything like that. I'm more Instagram. It's more obviously more visual based for all my art and uh, all the products I come out with. So my Instagram is also EvanmPdx. It's E V A N E M P D X. PDX. Um, my website is Evan M E V A N E M dot com. Um, like you mentioned, so I got a new Dame, the Dame time shirt. It's for those of you who are listening and not able to get to a, the website right now, it's Basically, it's like a digital, like, you, if you're looking at an alarm clock, and it says DA colon M E for Dame Time. Um, I have a red one right now. There's actually a white one coming out this week, hopefully in the next few days. Um, got a few more snapbacks coming out next week. I have a few beanies coming out this week. So, yeah, I mean, if you keep checking in, I try to come out with new stuff every two weeks or month. Um, always rolling something new out. So, all Portland-based stuff.
2: Yeah, and we'll be sure to put the links in the description of our SoundCloud podcast. So for those of you on the desktop, can just check it in right there, uh, real quick. Any any CJ
1: shirts coming in, in the works, Evan? I do have a CJ design. So my whole thing is, I come up with these. Is I come up with a ton of designs. I design all of it myself. Um, I come up with a bunch of designs and then I shelf them for a while, um, and then I go back to them and kind of rework them. I do. I did have a CJ one where I think I think it's a sticker somewhere, and I'm debating it. Um, But if I did a CJ one, I'm not in love with the design I made, so I'd probably rework a new one. But I'm not against it at all. I would love to have a CJ design. I just I got to think it through.
2: All right. Well, you can find this podcast now on iTunes and on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. We are on Twitter. Uh, at Holy Backboard, and if you'd like to send us an email, we're on Gmail at holybackboardpdx at gmail com. Uh, thanks again to uh, Candy Club for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. As Sage mentioned, go to Candy Club, type in the code Mardi Gras twenty, get twenty dollars off of your order. Uh, help support the podcast as well, so we can do more cool things. Uh, give back to our listeners. Big thanks again to Evan for joining us. It was his idea to give away the shirt, so. Thank you to Evan. That is an awesome gift to give away. Uh, Hopefully uh, we get a lot of comments and they are stoked because I would be stoked to get one of those shirts. It is freaking sweet. Uh, Thank you. I'm Dustin. That's Sage. Evan, thank you again. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. I had a blast.
2: It's been, uh, we'll have to have you again sometime. It's been one of the more fun podcasts uh, we've done. And, uh, I think that's it. Let's go, Rip City. Let's shock the world. Let's get this one over the Warriors and beat the Jazz. 2 0, baby.